Hi, I'm Grace Pedota with the CSE, and we're here in Toronto, Ontario, um, at the top of the first Canadian place. Um, today, I am joined by Gianni. Sorry, I, I can you say your last name for me because that was <laughs> I butchered it's, it. It's before. Croatian. It's Kovacevic. Kovacevic. Okay. But my friends, uh, my Jewish friends, tell me if I was Jewish, it would be Kovacevicki. And then they joke and say, you know what? You could have a whiskey. We could call it Kovacevishki whiskey. <laughs> you planning on uh, coming out with that whiskey anytime soon? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Depends on the uh, We'll save the it for the market. next pod. <laughs> uh, so you are investor, author, public speaker, and modern expert. And you are the author of My Electrician Drives a I got to correct you. You said modern expert. It's the energy pivot. And what expert? Well, who's an expert, right? But I've studied a lot. I've spent uh, about 15 years following those trends, those themes on how we as consumers and how government and industry are delivering and the way we utilize energy. People would probably rationalize with an electric car. And many people are saying, oh, we heard that story before. It's happening very slowly. Let's talk about all these things. But that's modern energy self-proclaimed expert but I did study it I followed it for 15 years and that's what we're going to talk about today yeah and so let's talk about you studying that for 15 years why 15 years it's a long time to study that well I took it in school I went to the British Columbia Institute of Technology uh, my brother did as well and we were fascinated by Nikola Tesla and all things electric the magnificence of electrification and that is the the enabler the ability to go from emission-free energy is electrification. Think about it. Wind power, solar power, or hydropower, all these things, it's, you're creating electricity. You're gonna move that electricity from point A to point B, or localize it. If you were to hypothetically have a solar panel on a, on a factory roof, you could use that power. And then the way we use it, the energy, it's not gonna be a helicopter, that's gonna be run off jet fuel for a very long time in the future, but many other things that you and I use are going to become emission free and that'll be done with as i say electrification and so okay so we've seen the electrification of cars and we've seen the solar power um uh, roofs and we've seen the wind power um to save energy and collect energy what do you think is the next thing to go electric well i think that's enough to start with and it's we, we still haven't really taken the next level. So in 2016, I drove across America the long way, meaning up and down, left and right, in an electric car to show that it works. And Wait, were you scared to do that? No, nah, like, do you it, think it's going to break down? Like, what was it? No, no issue. Just, no issue. Okay. They, they solved the, the charging between cities very quickly. You needed to have about uh, 300 stations where you can charge a car in about half an hour. And that's now coming by many companies are building a lot of infrastructure and the, the actual car companies. So Tesla's goal at the time was to get up to 500,000 units a year. Now to give you context, on a global scale, the world, all manufacturers make about 90 million cars a year. Even when they achieve their original stated goal, it, it's, it's not even a line item. It's really about the other guys, Volkswagen and Toyota jockey back and forth to be the largest car company in the world, about 10 million units. And then you have General Motors, Ford, and everyone else. They are changing fundamentally at the chassis level how they make cars. But that doesn't happen in one year. 
this takes five or six or seven years and it's happening it's happening right now it's happening in real time but they you could imagine they haven't procured those materials as they move this forward the real game starts let's say next year the year after 2022 2023 that's when you start having you know millions and millions of these things that are offered to the consumer and i believe they will buy them and i believe you're going to have hyper adoption that's when things get interesting and then, so you think we're still at early adopters then? It hasn't even started. Okay. You know, you, you look at the offering. Just this week, Porsche is now talking about how their infrastructure and the, the, this famous advert of a car with the, the electrical cord stuck into it, and it just says one thing, plug. Oh, cool. It's very intuitive. Like, you're not going to fuel that car. You're going to take that car and electrify it in whatever capacity. And I think people underestimate the the magnitude of the business opportunity for many thousands of people on that lifestyle, on the car, where it will be done, how it will be done, when you sleep, at your home, at the office, at the gym, at the ice rink, and then all the different variations of chargers, where if you need to charge quickly, you can do that, you'll pay more for it, or if you do it, where most people are going to do it when they sleep. The electricity is cheap, and you have access to it. If it's going to be in North America, maybe you have a garage, maybe you live at your home. But if you're in Europe and you live in an apartment without underground parking, people say, how are you going to do it? It's simple. Every lamppost. There are many businesses that are now creating the, electric, the electricity that's in that light post right now. They just sit there and they attach two chargers, one on each side, and you can have charging. And they're not doing it for charity, Grace. They're doing it to make money. They're going to make a lot of money selling you electricity at a lift. And it's a convenience. And the reason Europeans are going to do this is because, once again, it's money, not charity. We pay and we complain in British Columbia that we've got the most expensive gasoline in North America. It's $1.50 a liter. You know what you pay for, for fuel in Germany? You pay two euros a liter. Wow. When you go to fill up a normal car, you're, you're paying real money. So they'll pay for that electricity, even if it's 10 or 15 or 20 euros, because it's way cheaper than refueling their car. And, and we can go on stay, and on and on. Do you think it'll stay as as like that cheap? Or do you think it'll eventually end up being just as much as gas was? Realistically, because you, like you said, everyone uh, it, is going to make money. From it's this. an interesting argument because the reason gasoline is expensive in British Columbia, it's predominantly taxes. The, there's marketing and of course there's some, they say now price gouging or what have you, but it's predominantly taxes. So pessimists will say, okay, hold on a second. If you use an extreme example, let's say hypothetically everyone goes electric cars. Who's going to pay to fix the roads? Who's going to pay to fix the bridges? Because that tax is supposed to funnel into road infrastructure. And you can argue that that happens or not, how governments yeah, utilize those funds. Yeah, we won't go into that conversation. <laughs> they solved that puzzle on the day one of the electric car. It's called GPS. Very simple. If you drive a lot, you fuel up a lot, you pay a lot in fuel taxes every year. If you're a grandma who doesn't drive almost at all and tanks up the car once a year, she is going to pay very little tax. GPS, it's in the car. The more you move, hmm. the more you pay. Oh, okay. The less you move, the less you pay. The data. It, and exactly. Gathering. And they have that. And in the long course of time, the government will take their pound of flesh and you will pay who knows? In certain jurisdictions, because they don't want you driving a car at all, who knows? Maybe you'll pay just as much as you pay today, even though the electricity is cheap. It's the movement of the car. They'll license it. Coming to a theater near you is what my friend Robert Freeland would say. <laughs> 
Uh, so we'll, we'll uh, be right back after this quick break from our sponsor. Broadcasting from the heart of Toronto's financial district at the top of First Canadian Place, CSE TV is your trusted source for what's happening in capital markets. Our Hashtag Finance podcast series gets you exclusive long-form interview content with visionary entrepreneurs and CEOs of companies in the news. The CSE's On the Street segments get you up close and personal with many of our listed companies. And don't forget that you can find the video version of this and all our media on our CSE TV channel on YouTube. For instant notifications, subscribe to CSE TV now. And we're back with Gianni. Um, I will not say his last name. Kovacevichki. Okay. Great. Perfect. We'll, we'll there we go. The, yeah. <laughs> I'm counting on you to say your last name every time uh, I say your first name. Okay. Um, and then we'll just have like a little ad for your your um, rum or what was it? Whiskey. Whiskey. Yeah, Kovacevichki. Yeah. Vishki. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's talk about copper and let's talk about what is going on with the China trade war. Well, it's very important. There is the world, I, pr pricing for all these things, commodities and what have you, I will submit to everyone that's listening to this program is not done by miners and it's not done by consumers. It's done by speculators. They're in the middle. Let me elaborate on that. Let us pretend for a moment that our family owns uh, a plant to manufacture copper cable. When have we ever celebrated a really high copper price? Like never. We want a low copper price. And why? because our product becomes cheaper. So we can sell more copper or some more copper cable. So if you have the, all these fabricators that make things, whether it's piping from copper or fins for air conditioning or copper cabling, that's copper is consumed. And just for our audience that doesn't know, can you please just elaborate on why we need copper cabling? It's the best conductor of electricity for the price. So okay. the two things we use throughout the world, throughout society is aluminum, which is less efficient, cheaper, but you need more of it, and it still works, and it's part of the solution, and copper. You could use gold and silver, but they're obviously too expensive. So that's what we use to, to conduct, transfer, utilize electrical energy, which is why it's such an interesting commodity. If the world goes to electrification, the kegger growth rate for copper is going to go like this, right. up, up and up. So who is supplying us with copper? Well, the world's largest miner is Chile. The world's largest producer, fabricator, utilizer is China. And we, we, we know this already from historical data that they, too, do not want to pay a lot for any commodity. They want it to be a balanced or smoothed out price. So what happens is you have these people that actually utilize the copper and they don't speak necessarily always to the miner. They can deal with a speculator or someone in a, a an investor in the middle. And the investors predominantly have been negative on the global economy. They've been negative on China and all these different things. And there's many ways you can be negative or short the, the, the market. One such way for many people is copper. To be negative on copper, it's known as the PhD of the global economy. It's been, that's its code name for the last 100, 120 years. And so if the global economy is going to get weaker, we're going to utilize less things, things that if, you, if they fall on your foot, they hurt, commodities. Hmm. When that trade ends, and it will, because we've been in a market a deficit for the last couple of years, and it's come out of warehouse supplies, that's an unholy alliance that guess what happens? It worked for all these all this period of time. When those speculators in the middle, what if they decide, you know what, things are okay, there is a deficit, in aggregate, more of them go long. Not only do they stop playing that game with the fabricators, 
I will suggest to you that they can actually pull market pull material from the from the from the market, take all the slack up, and speculate and say we'll give it to you, but at a higher price. And that's where you see these things go up higher, 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 day in, day in, week after week. And I believe we are on the cusp of something like that happening. Now we have a few different outcomes with the China trade war. Does Mr. Trump want to solve that for his election year in 2020? I think he would. I think he wants to have the positive headline, not the negative headline. But we'll see. Can't control that. He'll have an interesting headline, that's for sure. Yeah. Or <laughs> it is resolved. Once it's resolved, these speculators say, okay, trade's on, go long. Oops. I believe the price of these things will trend higher because that's just the way it's been historically. And we have all these super events that are controlling these price flows right now, and I think that's coming home to roost very soon. Okay. And just back on your electric car story and how you drove it across Canada for so long. America, what, what, America. Sorry, America. What color was it? Black. Oh, okay. Like your coffee. I like my coffee. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I asked Gianni before we went into the podcast, I said, how would you like your coffee? Johnny said, black like my soul. <laughs> heart. <laughs> oh, heart. Sorry. You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so I just kind of want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, I have you on Instagram. Okay. And yeah, just full disclosure. Good. <laughs> and your bio says that you, something with NASA, like you're involved with NASA. And I think like your picture, you're, you're in like a spacesuit. Yeah, that's so. that's a moniker. So my Instagram handle is the Flying Saucer Repairman. Okay, now, now I have... of course, wow, it's I a like play on name. words. There's no such thing as Flying Saucer Repairman, so they say. So they say. So they say. But uh, <laughs> you fix problems that are hard to solve. So okay. that's that's. I have a lot of fun with that. And awesome. You'll I like see that. that it's the um, yeah, it's kind of fun. So people can go look at my Instagram handle and, and laugh. That's cool. So nothing with NASA. Nothing with NASA. Oh, unfortunately. So excited to hear more yeah. about NASA. No. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, you did write a book, and it's awesome. And you've been um, talking about it. Like, I've probably known you for four years now, and mm -hmm. you've been still, you've been talking about the book, going around, promoting it. What is one thing um, in your book that you could really say is the most important? I mean, that's probably really, really hard. Well, the, but... book, the book is my story. Yeah. And so people understand, I made a lot of mistakes. And in these up and down cycles, especially in commodities, I lost a lot of money, you know, a lot of loyalty. You go down with the ship, so to speak. So I'm not here to say I'm the smartest person. I put my hand up. I've made a lot of mistakes. So hopefully when people read the book, I talk about those mistakes. And I say, don't make them, you know, follow logic. And the book is a, it's a parable. It's between two people. So it's a personal finance book. So anyone who read The Wealthy Barber will look at this like a lot of these finance books to make it more palatable for the reader. You'll, you'll see it that it's a, it's a journey. It's an adventure between two friends and it's a, re a reversal of roles. It's the younger millennial electrician who enlightens the baby boomer family doctor in his life. And they go on this journey of enlightenment to understand, to be, let's say, better prepared, better educated contrarians or speculators to participate in these trends that are unstoppable and that are coming and they're going to happen right now in real time in the next sort of five and ten years we're talking about the, the, the ongoing growth of emerging markets more people consuming more things and how their spending patterns are changing and how global energy is also changing and the achilles heel the, gr the greener and cleaner that we create transfer and utilize energy the more is demanded of copper which is why when you look at the cover, 
There it is there. There it is. The common bond of all these things in the in economy and society is copper. It's relevant everywhere. In the, the 17 goals, the sustainability goals by the United Nations, copper is important for 16 of the 17. There's, wow. a, there's a reason for that because it's that special. It's a very unique product and it's uh, irreplaceable. It's infinitely recyclable and it's remarkable. And people I, are making rings out of it now. Artisan you do have rings. it for that and arthritis and many other capacities. Imagine uh, the, the future in hospitals. It's antimicrobial. It's something that they're putting on uh, different countertops and doorknobs so people don't get sick when they go to the hospital. That's cool. They're healthier when they come out. Yeah. I like that. And so what is the biggest investing lesson that you have learned through this whole journey from when you started with your journey in your electric car to now? Well, there's five things I put in the book. Basically, if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Sometimes you have to pay. You got to be a participant, which means for some people, maybe go to that conference. It costs a little bit of money. You have to travel. You got to get the hotel, but it, it makes sense. Um, for, for speculating, for contrarian investing, which is what I like to do, sometimes it ha the, the value proposition has to be so obvious. So if you need a pencil and paper to sit there and analyze it and write it down, you know, it's already too close to call. It has to scream value. You know, like when a stock's trading at, you know, it's all-time low and it has real asset value, can't go bankrupt, and you understand it and you look at the volatility of trading, you know, you come to a point where you say, you know, in the chart, that, that, that's probably a good time to buy that thing at this point. I also recommend people get a passport and they actually use it. You know, very important. You know, when you want to surround yourself with, I think, the most important people, and we can all do that by YouTube. You can listen to participation. You can go to Davos and listen to every single conversation that takes place online. You can go to these big, big conferences where all this uh, conoscenti, this glitterati, where they're talking about what, what have you. It's available. You know, the collected knowledge of mankind is available in your phone. But, you know, use it. Apply you it. have to do the work. Yeah, to and it's interesting. It. When you see people like what I like, Niall Ferguson or Fareed Zakaria or my friend Frank Holmes, they are fantastic public speakers. They tell a great story. So when you are listening to them, you don't want to turn it off. And you're learning the whole way. So we had Frank in here a couple couple weeks ago. He's great. Yeah, he's a fantastic storyteller. Yeah. And he's just Amazing. he's just so willing to teach yeah. to teach you when you ask questions. I find with Frank you need to see his forty five minute or fifty minute speech. When you hear it in twenty or thirty minutes, it's not enough. You want him to really talk about those points. They're very important. He articulates these things so that if you're an analyst you will get it, you will get enjoyment out of it. Or if you're just the common rube, you say, Wow. I really get that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. More of Frank is always better. Yeah. He's a character. Mm -hmm. Really like him. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Um, uh, you're here for the, why, why are you in town, Toronto, Ontario? Because you're from Vancouver. I'm from Vancouver. British so Columbia. it's just after Labor Day and I, I do mar marketing with Copper Bank and I'm telling people the story on how we're moving it forward. We, like we do every year, we raise money at a premium without warrants. So it's like a rights offering for our shareholders where we treat everyone fairly and we always don't mind paying a little bit more. And now why? We put a little bit of money in our till. We're looking to do some interesting things organically within the business. And I think if you look at our new website with our presentation that you can download with the date September 3rd on it, it has a lot of comparables. So whether you are following Copper Bank closely, but if you follow the copper space and the developers and the juniors, we've got a list of tables, GNA per pound, all these different metrics, which are important. So you can analyze your favorite copper company. And more importantly, where do we fit in that 10 or 20 uh, copper development companies? And I think people will see very quickly that we are one of the best value propositions on any listed exchange in Canada. 
for a copper company. And it's a commodity that we like because it's got the best kegger growth rate profile in a market that's been underinvested in the mines. So we believe that's going to have a price action and the optionality in Copper Bank uh, will be visible for, for all investors. You picked a great time to say the story. I mean, we've got the world's largest cannabis conference, MJ Biz, in town. So mm-hmm. I'm, I really hope everyone's... <laughs> is it hard push it like talking about copper? Why is everybody talking about cannabis right now? Is that... They're always C. Crypto, crypto cannabis, cannabis, copper. Oh. Copper is yet, yet to have its day in the sun. And what did one wise person say? Um, investing, making money in investment speculating or something like that but it's having everyone agree with you later Mm. that's why things are in the markets at times are inefficient and you want to buy these things when they're low or cheaper well thank you so much johnny again for coming in and it's always a pleasure to speak to you thank you hi it's grace from the csc reminding you to make sure to follow us on social media for the latest updates on our listed companies as well as new listing alerts For more in-depth content, be sure to pick up our free quarterly magazine, Public Entrepreneur, available online at thecsc.com.